Hey, listen up, idiots. This is your spoiler warning. Also, you might get offended, so warning for that too, you idiots. What are you gonna do? I think it's good because that'll be picked up in the white noise and maybe you'll just get rid of the... everything. <laughs> uh-huh. Including us. Let's just get rid of everything. Man. We'll just have a an hour-long quiet episode. Best episode we'll release. It probably would be. Hey, look, that's a wink and a nod to what we're talking about. Oh, is it? A, a piece of art release that's nothing but quiet word. Unspoken word. It's yeah. Pootie Tang. He released a song that was completely quiet. And everybody loved it. Yeah. And the world flipped out. Yeah, we're going to do the same. After you hear this, you're not going to hear any other talking. <laughs> it's just going to be silent. We should have done that. For April Fool's, just the Pootie Tang episode is just nothing. Oh, man. Three people would get it. You, me, and Simon. That is it. Because <laughs> I, I don't think anybody else has seen Pootie Tang. I could see Simon listening to it like while he's painting a house, and he's just like, yeah, all right. <laughs> no, I get that. Yeah. I could totally Good point. See, I could totally see it. That'd be awesome. No, uh, yeah, we are going to be talking about Pootie Tang. Mm-hmm. But we should preclude? Is that a word? Is that the right word? Probably not. I don't think. I don't know where you're going with this, but I'm going to guess no. It's not the right word to use preclude. <laughs> um, this episode is just going to be a little bit different because mm-hmm. of the way that we had to set it up to record uh, when Simon was last in town for this episode, you could not be available at that time, but mm-hmm. we decided we'd go ahead and do this weird kind of mashup episode where I'd talk to Simon about Pootie Tang, mm-hmm. and I'd talk to you about Pootie Tang, and we'll kind of listen to both of those. It's it's going to be weird, but... It's a different format. Yeah. But I think it'll come together, come together pretty well. And we're doing it to... Uh, the best of our ability and to make a situation work the best way that we can so mm-hmm. with that in mind i mean what was it simon was the one that picked this right this is simon's choice okay. yeah this is choice number two so we had wings of desire yeah uh brutal art house film. <laughs> yeah just very uh <laughs> bleak is the word i'd use yeah i meant brutal like to watch or talk about because <laughs> i just know like I didn't even, like, have an issue with it, but I just, like, I can know our audience, and it's just like, man, ain't nobody here cares about art house films except for Simon. I, I just... Some we do, but not that think, deep. I just don't think... We're more into indie art house. Sure. That's, sure. that's where our positive Not lies. German expressionistic yes, art. Yes, <laughs> yes, Which, while it is a piece of art, yeah, it just was not us for Targum. I I got it, and I respect yeah. what it's trying to do. But yes, yeah. yes, but just not for our typical. Like, let's talk about Avengers, and then fucking Die yeah. Hard, and then Wings of Desire. The, I would the, like. <laughs> it was cool to like see one because that's like one of those pieces of classic film history that's sort of oh, held yeah. up, and that's that's cool to see those just to see like things that were made that were crazy out there at that time. Oh point. sure, um, yeah. And that's why I like to see. Uh, fucking Rosebud. What is that movie? Oh, Citizen Kane. Citizen I've Kane. never seen Citizen Kane. It's, it's been on my list. It's a really good movie, but it's definitely like also it's a, a it's, time capsule of like mm-hmm. that movie at that time. Sure. Um, pros it, and cons and all. Yeah, it's there. Even something it's, like like Jaws that mm-hmm. it's like it's a time capsule of Stephen King or Steven Spielberg. Sure. At peak. I don't know, man. Uh, I wouldn't say Jaws was peak Spielberg because that was his first movie and that means he peaked and then did well, nothing true. else better. But like we had Indiana Jones and, and Raiders of the Lost Ark, the Close Encounters. I don't know. I don't think he peaked. I don't think he peaked there. I, yeah. He hasn't even Schindler's begun to list? peak. Schindler's List? He hasn't, he hasn't even begun to peak. No, I think he's peaked. I just think it's much later. <laughs> that was more of a Dennis reference. <laughs> it was before the BFG and all that. That's... Uh- but Simon has come back to us with another totally weird, out of left field movie. Yes, this way, uh, um, complete polar opposite. I feel. almost, yeah, yeah, Wings of Desire. It's definitely out there in that I don't think anything really was like this at the time. No, um, but maybe for different reasons than Wings of Desire. <laughs> yeah, it's very absurdist, and we'll get into yes. a lot of that with uh. My talk with Simon and then 
you and me having our mm-hmm. usual chit chats. For sure. Um, I don't know. I forget. Sam and I talk a lot about in this upcoming part about going to see Mark Marin. Yeah, you talk do, a little bit about that. I do remember we actually did go to that. That was a fun time. Uh, I remember Simon telling Mark not to fuck this up right at the start, and I was like, "Huh, all right, <laughs> that was cool." And Mark Marin was like, "Yeah, uh, I won't." It was funny. They had a mm, moment. Okay, good. Simon also gave him one of our old vinyl records because he collects those. He's very oh, appreciative nice. of that. So, well, Mark Marin does love vinyl. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was really cool just to go kind of hang out. Mark Marin is a uh, fantastic comedian. Has Agreed. I don't, I can see why people don't like him. I don't. Yeah. I don't understand why people don't like him because I don't think he's. Oh, really, why they don't like yeah, him? Yeah. I don't understand it because I don't think he's really offensive or does anything that really, really makes him unlikable. Maybe you don't think he's like the funniest because he's not quick and energetic, but. I don't see how anybody could listen to Mark Maron and be like, I fucking hate that guy. Yeah, I think as a professional, he's a pretty likable guy. Just yeah. from all the stories I've heard from him, like, personally, he's a huge asshole. And very hard really? to deal with and get along with. From stories uh, that, like, even he himself he says, has told. Yeah, I mean, yeah. like, that's Mark Maron, or the Maron show on IFC was, like, nothing but, like, a new predicament where he stumbles into because of his own fucking fault. And then has to get out. Like, it's constantly just him eating that foot of his, putting so that like, foot right in the mouth. So, like, enthusiasm. A little bit, but... From a different, not as Not as view. bleak. Maybe a little bit more hopeful. Like, I watch Curb, and I'm just like, I hate the world yeah. and everybody in it. Because I think Larry David is a misanthrope, and it comes across. Marin doesn't necessarily do that for me. Like, I think it's, you know, he gets into his past and his issues with his mom and things. But like, I appreciate how self-reflective he is. He is. He it, he takes the time to put it in. I I get that, and I like that. And he I generally to that. tries to grow from it, and that's mm-hmm. something I admire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Boy, we could all use a little bit of that sometimes. So. Mm-hmm. But without further ado, man, let's go ahead and uh, let's segue this into this chat with me and Simon. I think it lasts about thirty minutes or so. Yeah. Yeah. And then uh, you and I will come back, and we'll finish this out, and we'll have a chat about Pootie Tang. So. Sounds good. All right, buddy. Well, we'll be right back after this message. And the message is 30 minutes of Simon. Yeah. <laughs> and me talking about pretty <laughs> well, We'll be right back after that message. Well, hey, buddy. Hi. How are you? Good. How are you? I am not doing too bad. That's great. Especially because I'm looking pretty forward to tonight, buddy. Yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yeah. What are we doing tonight? We're going to go see Mark Marin at the Comedy Attic. We are. And it's going to be a great night, and we're going yeah. to hold hands and skip. And uh, don't tell anybody, but it's my birthday. It is your birthday. By the way, person who's not Ryan, who the hell are you? Uh, my name is Simon P. Moore. Yeah. And you you are... might know me from the Wings of Desire episode. Which was the art house German noir depression flick. The With Peter Falk. Yeah, With Peter Falk. Yeah. No, um... Well, buddy, I'm glad to have you back so fucking soon. Yeah, it's good to be back so and soon. You're back here with a another request. Yeah. And I'm just... So we're going to be talking about Pootie Tang. Pootie Tang. I want to... So I remember when this movie came out. I remember seeing it advertised. And I remember it bombing. Yeah, I remember... I mean, just hearing about a movie called Pootie Tang, you're immediately kind of put off i mean if you if you if you're not familiar with the character from the chris rock show and i i wasn't yeah i wasn't at all um so yeah i for a while didn't see this movie because yeah the name and then the presentation the box and the just and the the trailers it's just like nothing doesn't selling on me and i remember <laughs> like even as like a you know a teenage boy you hear pootie tang and i yeah I, I guess that is the connotation it is like yeah but the film really belies all the weird sexual connotations of that in in a certain way. Yeah. I mean, in some ways, it it completely uh, brings them to life. Yeah. But watching this movie, and this, I don't think it's playing my hand, but I absolutely see how this movie bombed too. Oh yeah, this is a fucking weird movie. Yep. Um, really weird. 
I know that Louis C.K. and Chris Rock and uh, other people involved had said that they just really were unhappy with the edit when they well, got it back. I was reading, apparently, they didn't have any say in the edit. The studio kicked them out once they had the movie in hand. Oh, is that what it they was? They kicked Louis C.K. out of the editing room <sighs> and made, like, a third unit producer edit everything. Huh. That's... You know, bands do that for mastering. And... I sometimes wonder, it seems... Do band, or do, like, record companies? Band, a lot of uh, a lot of record companies will recommend that you get somebody else to master the album than to, than to record it. I mean, how many albums do you know that were mastered by the same person who recorded it? Uh, just, like, two, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and they, it's just this assumption that you have to get a new, a fresh set of ears on the, on the album, which... I think it sometimes works. It works pretty well in music, but for movies, it just seems yeah. like a... Well, and especially like when the director has such a vision, like he wrote the fucking script, mm-hmm. he had a giant hand in creating the character, his good friends are in the movie, like, I think he knows what would be better. Yeah. And I don't... That happens so much, you hear the studios taking control away after the movie's shot. Yeah. It's like, well, you've already shot your wad. Nobody knows what is happening in this yeah. stuff now. Yeah. And the, I feel like you need to have a uh, an intuitive in to the movie. You have to have experienced uh, some end of the production yeah. of it. Not just be to, some dude over in yeah, 19th Street. just got a script in yeah. front of them and then all this footage. And <laughs> they've got to make it into a linear story. It just, yeah... Yeah, some of that, you know, I think some of it suffers. I think in a way the movie suffers for that. I'd definitely say so. You can see hints of what is wanted here. And yeah. Even on a smaller scale, it's it's bigger than its pants that it ends up filling or it wants to be. Yeah. What I, there's I just, a lot of there's a big grand scale that you could tell they didn't I'm sure their budget got slashed and they couldn't yeah. reach what they had originally hoped for. Well, some of the you know, one thing that's very uh, that stands out a lot about this movie is the the quick editing. Yes, you know, especially on Wanda Sykes. Parts. Yeah, when when Biggie Shorty's talking, and then it just has these flash cuts of her dancing, dancing. in different different yeah. address or different outfits and different uh, settings, and it just I, I don't know if those little things serve the movie all that well but i also don't mind them no i think it's kind of fun it's it's very weird like the first two times i was like what the fuck like show me the movie like why are we could and it also is overly comp or it's just made worse by the fact that she's narrating on top of jb smooth also narrating yeah over this fucking and she's also there like explaining the story to us and there's a lot of that where it's like, here's things happening that don't relate overall, and then here's somebody telling you yeah. all the big moves that are happening. And then here's this weird burn that wipes, and then you're into a new scene. Yeah. And then we're smash wiping into some other new scene, and it's it's very vignette-y. It doesn't, have a, doesn't feel all that linear. No, yeah, it's very jumbled. Yeah. But by that third, and once Wanda Sykes really started to stick, I... I I think that might be my favorite character in this movie. I didn't I didn't much care for Wanda Sykes. I didn't not like her, but I didn't much care for her until I saw this movie. Yeah. And then that made it gel for me, and now I really like Wanda Sykes. I've liked her stand-up. I've not really liked anything she's done in a movie, because she, she's mostly like in kid-friendly fare nowadays anyways. I don't know that I've ever seen her in yeah. another movie. Um, and she did voice acting for one of the movies where animals are anthropomorphic and getting on hijinks. People are getting a lot of work doing that these <laughs> yeah. days. Uh, but yeah, she's in one of those. But man, I fucking loved her in this. Oh, she was so good. She Biggie is so Shorty. Fun. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and the relationship between her and Pootie Tang is so precious. But yeah. it has this tremendously sexual undercurrent. But, you know, that's another thing that about Pootie Tang that's really surprising, just him as a character, is he's this really precious guy. Yeah. He's not the playboy that you expect him to be from his name. He's, he, he walks cocky, but he doesn't treat people like garbage. It's weird. Like, 
Yeah, he's not the playboy. Yeah. He's he's very cocksure in the way because he's cool. Well, he does have a weird relationship with Biggie Shorty. Yeah. I feel like there's a lot of subtext leading up to when the the farm girl comes up with the pie. Yeah. And he just signs her pity on the runny kind. <laughs> and uh I I feel like he's he's just getting all this <laughs> getting all this action. And then Wanda Sykes keeps having to pick him up all the time. He's always getting himself in trouble. And Wanda yeah. Sykes has to help him out. And she's letting him run around and go crazy on yeah. Poon. And she's like, I'll be here waiting yeah. to live this life with you. It's, uh, you know, I hate using this as a reference, but this movie would definitely fail the Bechdel test. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> holy cow. If we were basing it on that, like, it fails it with flying colors. Oh, yeah. But... Uh, all that aside, man, I found myself laughing at this movie a lot more than I thought I would when I watched it this first time. Yeah. going Because I had seen all the trailers and I remember I was like, man, this movie's always looked terrible. But I've always heard good things from a lot of people. Yeah. So I, I did finally watch. And I really found myself like, and I was surprised, you know, David Cross shows up. David Cross in this movie. And is... he's in blackface. Yeah, like uh, it's that's yeah, it's some edgy, but it's a really bad blackface. No, it's terrible. They're they're mocking the blackface. Yes. And it's only like on his face. It literally st- it doesn't go to the neck. Yeah, that stands out to me yeah. as a very bold and well executed directorial decision. Yep, uh, to take that risk and to have it. Just as a visual thing, mean all these things in the right way. Get that, you know, visually not come across as though it's being racist or condescending. Yeah. Uh, that it, it auto satires like that. And you don't, they don't have to tell you anything about it. They don't have to lead you by the hand there. Yeah. You just get it. You're like, okay, no, it, or he's you wearing don't even blackface. It. And it's, I could see people watching that and not even picking up that. Yeah. And so it was a nice, and a movie that's pretty over the head with everything it's doing to you. That was a nice little subtlety I enjoyed. Yeah, yeah, that, I mean, uh, David Cross's character was just uh, really fantastic in this movie. And the introduction of that really helped that, just helped the movie move along into a new act, you know? Yeah. Um, who's the other David who's like the fucking right-handed crony? I know his name from Insomniac. And is this another stand-up? Oh, uh, Dave Attell? Dave Attell. Yeah. I, thought, I kept wanting to say Dave Arquette. Uh, and I know I was like, no, it's not that. But yeah, Dave fucking Attell. Yeah, as the Smithers character. Yeah. Um. <laughs> that uh, So, Pootie Tang is like the only character I didn't recognize from other things. I haven't seen him in anything else. Is, it, was, he the, was he the original Pootie Tang in the Chris Rock show? I believe so. It was this guy. Yeah. Okay. I could be wrong about that, though, so... Yeah, I don't know either. Hey, yell at us on the internet yeah, if please. we're wrong. If please, you know more about Pootie Please Tang berate us on the internet about this. So... That was one of my first questions was, what was your experience with Pootie Tang? Like, when was the first time you saw it? I didn't know if you saw it in theaters. No, I didn't see it until, I think, uh, 2006-ish. Oh, wow. So it came out in 99, I believe? Yeah, I think so. It's definitely pre-9-11. Yeah. Which... That, uh... So, yeah, that was a long time later. Did you get, like, Plan 9 or something? Yes, yeah. almost certainly. Well, it could have been top ten, though. Yeah. I was going to top ten sometimes, too. So you weren't familiar with the Chris Rock character show? No, I don't. I wasn't familiar with that sh- TV show at all. I'm, I knew that it existed, but I think he, maybe it was on HBO or something. I think it was something. HBO, and I think it was a very short run. Yell at us on the internet if we're wrong. <laughs> Simon really wants people to yell at him on I, I want to see a so. lot of action on the boards on this guy, so let's... Uh, Let's I really like how they tried to go. It was it's so over the top at points, um, which I kind of got from the beginning when you see Chris. Well, Rock it starts off with a full length music video. Yeah, <laughs> which is another weird thing, and it cuts to those a lot too. Yeah, like th- those are also wipes that they'll use as Pootie Tang. Yeah, oh like, uh, yeah, yeah, on like a tie dye set. And yeah, dancing. Um, <laughs> but oh fuck, I forgot my point. It was about the over the topness of the, oh. 
So like the bad guys, how they're almost like Dick Tracy villains. There's dirty, yeah. uh, uh, dirty D, dirty D, and uh, Froggy, Froggy, <laughs> and then there's a couple other villains, but then they're all nothing after the yeah, first. Yeah, yeah, we've got we've got a lead guy and we got a right hand man. Yeah, um, I really like how they show up, and then I think after that, this movie starts off by like Pootie Tang on the news. He's on like an interview show. With that sportscaster dude. Yeah, Brian, uh, Bob Costas. Bob Costas, yes. And he yeah. like, it's like a t- nightly talk oh, show. Oh, yeah, that 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 is the framing sequence. I forgot about that. And so that the whole t- thing is that we're seeing a clip from, from the movie, the movie yeah. on an interview he did with and Bob Costas. And then we Costas. see the whole fucking movie as yeah. a clip. And then it comes back. I was like, oh, shit, I forgot that happened. That was a nice little, <laughs> yeah. again, really cool thing that just, there's little touches of greatness all over this movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, just that, that archetypical, archetypical construction of it, the belt, the, the relationship that Pootie had with his dad, yeah. which it just doesn't attempt to be in any way unique. It's just a pretty generic, uh, pat- patriarchal yeah. father figure type. What I love too, as a superhero story, it's also the most generic one where it's like, you had the power inside you the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> you don't need this MacGuffin. Yeah. No, they play those yeah. tropes really well. And it's it's so over like as soon as I started seeing this movie, I was like, oh Pootie Tang's gonna have the real power in him, not in that belt. Yep. And it was. I like Chris Rod's I bought that for ninety cents out of Piggly Wiggly. <laughs> yeah. That belt ain't <laughs> shit, son. I do enjoy also Shut your mouth. When corn like, ass when he's getting shot at at the beginning and he's like bouncing bullets back with his hair oh yeah that's also a really awesome little touch of yeah things that like wouldn't come around again for a long time yeah effective effect wise though pretty good for the time even yeah it still held up man yeah at least the way i was watching it and yeah. i i have to imagine this came out after the matrix did you watch it at garage sale bought vhs is <laughs> no. <laughs> that like, the medium you used i used beta converted from laser disc oh oh yeah that's great <laughs> but uh that's the way to see it that's yeah. what everybody says it was uh fuck i lost my damn point again ah you're frazzling me so uh yeah we could go all kinds of places I remember what well, remember the uh the scene where he's taking dirty d into the car wash. oh and he comes out sparkly clean but as he's as he's driving he's got his feet are in dirty or his legs are in dirty d's window and he's driving the car while kicking dirty d's ass and then this random hot girl just standing alone right. on the street goes hey pootie tang right. and he just goes ha ha yeah <laughs> <laughs> i do that again it's like there's so many parts of this movie that are like almost as surreal as a david lynch film yeah there's some weird shit that just happens. The scene where he runs Dirty D through the car wash. That one, um, the scene where he just stares at the lady and rubs more pie on himself. Yeah. Or that uh, Froggy's getting Dirty D dirt in jail. And he like rubs it on his face. <laughs> yeah, man. It's so, it's such a heavy metaphor. They're just laying that on so thick. And then you've got the evil corporate white men. Again, oh, just a generic named plot. Dick Lecter. Yeah, he says something else, too, like, about how he's generic in some way. I can't remember. I, sh- I need to watch it again. And I, I plan to because one of the another part of this movie that throws me off is something that most people love about this movie. And that's the way Pootie Tang talks. Oh, yeah, the jive. Like, it's, it's so fucking off-putting, especially in, like, a longer run. But I wonder if it's just one of those things that you appreciate on repeat. Because there's a lot of things like that in movies I watch where they get... It's like you, you catch a joke, that, like Arrested Development, you know? Yeah. And I'm just wondering if what he was... It wasn't clicking with me the first time through. Huh. And maybe I'll get some nuance in it later. Well, it is it is very strange. I just think it creates a... It's almost a meme. Yeah. That... You can say Sepa Town and or Sadate and people that have e- seen if it. somebody has seen the movie, they're gonna be like, "Oh, Pootie Tang." Yeah, or they'll say something else back like Sepa Town. Yeah, I have to. It's like almost like this secret language between yeah. 
ultra geeky people, which there are a lot of those. Yeah. But this is just another sect. Yes. It's a dialect that's not spoken by those in the West. <laughs> um, fuck, man. Yeah, what else about it? Well, I'm trying to think here. We got an edit spot, at least. Yeah. <laughs> I've got some... Damn, what else did I have? The fucking Dick Tracy villains. Have you... I mean... Oh, I remember one. So, the fucking... The bimbo lady. Oh, God. Jennifer get, Coolidge. Yeah. Oh, man, I loved her. Yeah. I loved her so much. She was so over the top with all... All the pursing of her lips and uh, thrusted blinking. Just well, this, like, and that's her what... chest thrust out and just being so evil and uh, what's the word? Seduct seductive, you know? But, but it's it's so over the top and hammy. Yeah, yeah. That you're automatically turned off, and it, it's like a woman who's flirting with you that you that it's it's so hard. She's flirting so hard, you're like, well, this is annoying now. Yeah. Oh, Normally, yeah. women flirt with me, and it's fine. <laughs> I'm happy. I'm totally happy well, about that. You need to that. take a step back, lady. Yeah. <laughs> well, it reminded me again, so that's the where I wanted to take this tangent. Uh, I've, I'm sure you've seen Basketball. Yeah. The same villain is in both those fucking movies. Oh, yeah. And there's similar parts, one by Jennifer Coolidge, one by Jenny McCarthy, but Jenny McCarthy's is even more so fucking over the top. Oh, yeah. But I wonder, like, is there a relation there? Is one... Uh, like, I don't... But but then I remember, like, Basketball came out in, like, 98. Yeah, I'm pretty sure Basketball was before Pootie Tang. But that's a fairly common trope. Yeah. I, yeah. That you, I just you have the evil seductress. The same fucking dude was the bad guy, corporate white dude in both yeah. movies. Yeah. Well, I think Matt Parker, uh, Trey Stone and Matt, Matt, Trey, Matt Stone and Trey Parker. There we go. Uh, I think that they have a, an aesthetic that uh, in common with the this movie, I think. I think they're just coming from diff, like very uh, similar aesthetic sensibilities. Because they, yeah, they both do like. They take a generic plot, but they they twist it and have a lot of fun with it. Yeah, and make it. And yeah, they yeah. they they aren't ashamed of it or embarrassed of it. It's it's handled really confidently and much like blackface in this movie. Oh yeah, <laughs> yes, not all blackface. That, Thank you for letting me clarify. That is, but the blackface is so subliminal. I think as yeah. opposed to the over over the top stuff about it. Uh, is you know it's it's a stylistic thing that you just you have to accept, and I think they do it well because they just they're they're not ashamed to be corny about it. Yeah. Like like Mel Brooks kind of well, because they're giving it a wink. They're like, you know what this is. Yeah, yeah. Like this is telling the story. The funny things are what's happening within the story. I yeah. think comedies do that a lot, especially because. Then you're not worried about a plot. Yeah. And movies that get overly plotty and try to be funny, they all almost come off sniffing their own farts sometimes, I feel. How'd you feel about the uh the relationships with like Trucky and uh Chris Rock's character and the I forget the other the one guy who always says the same yeah, thing. I really like Chris Rock and that dude. Yeah. But every time like that was another one. It's like you know that joke's coming. Yeah. And it's still fucking hilarious. I'd also like to add that it's hot. Yeah. <laughs> and Chris Rock has very varying degrees of reactions. Yeah. I like that Chris Rock is playing like four different people in this movie. Yeah. The, but not like Eddie Murphy style where they try to put him in all this makeup and shit. Yeah. Like, Here's Chris Rock with glasses. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it, yeah. Uh they ham that, you yeah. know, and they do that well. Um, I love Laura Keitlinger's cameo in oh. this. Is she the news lady? Yeah. Yeah. And she's her her uh just dread and uh just loathing for her having to talk about Pootie Tang is yeah. so thinly veiled. 
What about the the chick that like follows him home from the elevator and he puts the milk out for her? Yeah, that what was is, What is that? Is I'm, that just another surreal thing that's happening? Yeah. Yeah, I think so. That that is part of where I just one of those things that I don't like so much about this movie. Yeah, it's But I see what it's doing and I'm fine with it. I mean, I love Pootie Tang, but I'd probably give it an 80 to 85. Yeah, it's just it's so weird and there's like no dialogue, there's no reaction for Pootie Tang, and I've never seen a girl acting throwing herself at a man harder. Like, yeah, it's pretty wild. And yeah, he just like puts his hand in her face, shoves her, and walks in the door. Yeah, and then like opens it and slides a the bowl of milk out. Yeah, and then she drinks it. Yeah, it's so it's like, dude, that's some weird shit that is just happening. Yeah, and then we just cut. That's the end of that scene. Yep, and well, we get Trucky. Well, can you believe that he's making? He's got, or is it Trucky? We got the the narrator. Yeah, I just know it's JB Smooth who plays him. That's JB Smooth. Yeah, yeah. Um, who is also fantastic in this? Yeah. Oh, he is great. I like I said, I think this is some of my favorite stuff from everybody I've seen in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's it's such a lovable film. Yeah. I mean. It makes me feel good. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's an inspiring film in just this, in the weirdest, un- most unexpected way. That you want to go out and do good like Putin. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it makes me believe I can be a good man and also just slay Tang and, <laughs> and, and be a great musical artist. And Oh, yeah. Dude, he releases the fucking four and a half minutes yeah. of silence. <laughs> and everybody flips P- out. But he don't need no instruments. He don't need nothing. He just he, he turns down all of the gear on the yeah. board. Yeah, slowly one by one. Oh, man. That was another nice little surreal crazy touch. That I- what about the time where he smacks Trucky in the face because Trucky's hype man in him? Yeah. <laughs> That's pretty good. When he brings the dude back from the dead? Yeah. Just by talking jive to him? Yeah. <laughs> Sepata! Yeah. And then that dude comes back, and he's not mad. Man, I don't know. Yeah. The more, like, I do want to watch this movie again, and the more I think about it. it and again, it, it has that charm of, I mean, this was never going to be a huge blockbuster, but even by, like, comedy standards for that time, like, it's a pretty low-budget movie. Oh, yeah. Oh, I bet they made it for five figures, like 80000 or something. Uh, uh, yeah, it's... It's a, it's pretty amazing that it got made in the first place. So where where would you rank Pootie Tang on your all time comedy list? Um, you know, honestly, uh, if we're talking personal favorites, yeah, you, buddy. Uh, I think it's probably my fifth favorite movie. Like um, just comedy movie or movie period? Maybe movie period. Damn, okay. I just happen to love this movie, but if I'm critically ranking movies it's in like the 80th percentile i mean it's not that good of a movie okay i just love it. you identify with it yeah i love movies like that with people that just identify with them i respect the hell out of that yeah you gotta have a few things that you you're not all totally on board with but you just love and let you let close to your heart and just i love that man hell yeah yeah mad respect buddy yeah um on a scale i guess of one to ten sweet ass belts. One to ten sweet ass belts. What would you rank Pootie Tang? I'm gonna I'd see I'd say I'd give it seven okay. sweet belts. Sweet. Yeah. But personally you'd probably you edge it to ten. But if you're looking at it critically Critically, yeah. Okay. Seven. But for for me, yeah, it's it's an at least a nine point five. <laughs> uh, I'd say that's uh yeah, I can totally get behind that. I love the music in this movie. I, I do love like those that songs. A lot of it's tailor made, <laughs> and I love and respect that Dirty D uses Redman's yeah music when he's up because Redman is always stay out up. my way and he's, keep my name out your mouth. Yeah, yeah. he's always talking about being dirty. Yep, love that. That was great. Uh, I love the song that Wanda Sykes is always listening to when she's bobbing around. Yeah. It's, it's like a nothing Her song. Her dancing, too, yeah. is the 
funniest, most joyful, uh, cute, and playful thing. You know, this movie is rife with that those little just fruits of cuteness and playfulness. Yeah. Um, I'd say I'd probably give this movie like a six. Yeah. Because there is, like I said, there's a lot of hints of great things happening here, and there's a lot of weird shit, and I can't fault the creators, because I don't think it's their fault. I think a lot of this was lost <laughs> in that editing room. Yeah. I would like to see some somehow an uncut Louis C.K. Pootie Tang to see what, if anything, is different. I don't think I don't think we're going to be hearing from Louis C.K. for another little bit. Probably not. He's got he's to keep that away. Yeah. But, uh... Yeah, I'd say overall a six. My enjoyment was probably a little higher, probably like a seven or an eight, because yeah. I did enjoy it, and I do want to watch it again. So yeah, it's a very enjoyable film, but uh, not the greatest. In fact, I think I will now pilgrimage to flea markets when I'm on the road and see if I can find a DVD copy of Pootie Tang for like two bucks. Oh, I'm sure you can. I'm sure I can too. I, I think I've seen it at flea markets before. Yeah, thrift I'm like, stores. I'm gonna grab this. Yeah. yeah. I'm going to pick up Pootie Tank. Yeah. Not Something bad. Something to hold on to, so. Yeah. Well, buddy, I thank you for being on the show. I thank you for inviting me. I apologize. Ryan couldn't be here. We all know how pretentious he is. These things happen. We're yeah. all very important people, and we stay very busy. We do, man. We, we're living such constantly busy lives. It's hard lives to be us. Be thankful, people. Yeah, we're really excelling, guys, and so uh, you're welcome. Simon, buddy, always a treat when you're here, man. Yeah, Love always a pleasure on. to be here, man. I'm looking forward to fucking Mark Marin here in a few hours, buddy. This is going to be at least decent. I imagine great, though. Let's pretend we're saying goodbye, and then immediately we'll just keep talking after these mics go off, because we're in the same room. We don't use microphone tricks on Experience Grind <laughs> podcasts. Bye, everybody. Bye. We're yeah. back. Uh, you did bring up a great point, and we didn't set this up at all. We should have done <laughs> a Pootie's Tang-style riff. Uh-huh. Where we say we're going to play a clip from me and Simon's discussion, and then it's the whole thing. Yeah. That would have been great. It's, I always think of these things too late. It's I like, don't have foresight. I have hindsight. It's like I'm when you, really good at hindsight. You win arguments in the shower two days later. You're like, oh, yeah. Oh, God. Sort that of my life. Or you have imaginary future arguments that never happened. But, but you're, like, you're preparing yourself oh, yeah. just in case. I've got. I'm I've glad got I'm this. not the only one who does that. I, do it too, I buddy. totally do. And if you're with somebody like Laura, you've got to be real up to arguing. Like, you got to know how to do it. you got to be ready to go. Yeah. A drop of a hat. She is a debater. Yeah. She mm -hmm. knows what's up. She likes to debate. I'm going to go debate my dog in the face with my fists in a few seconds. That's the lovable Bentley that apparently everybody loves, but doesn't <laughs> know the fucking terror that that dog truly is. He just barks. Oh, <laughs> constantly. He just barks. But it's like that cute bark. It's like... Not when he does it for four hours straight. <laughs> Murph, uh, our dog does not bark frequently, but when she does, it's aggressive, hard, and rude as shit, and it pisses me off. Yeah, like she's well, she's a bigger dog the, too, yeah. so she got that. Holy! And it's like God damn. All right, I get it. It's your dinner time. Chill out. Like I constantly like I get so pissy as soon as I hear her fucking demanding bark sometimes. Yeah. Like, you don't tell me what to do here. Like, you're a dog. I kind of own you yeah. a little bit. Like, you are. <laughs> in the eyes of the state, you're my property. I think so. Uh huh. I think so, yeah. So, learn it. Yeah. Uh, look at the desk. Yeah. Act like that. Quiet and there when I need it. I kid. I love the dog. <laughs> be a Milton man. You should be seen. Not heard. <laughs> That's and a good not reference. seen either. Yeah, not seen or heard. <laughs> yeah. That's a good dog. It's a good child, too. Pootie Tang, buddy. That's, yeah. That's a segue right there. That's a good segue. So we've segued into the episode, then out, and now we're segueing back in again. Yeah. Just try to keep up, people. This this show is nothing if not segues. <laughs> and by that we mean it's it's the two-wheeled scooter that everybody rode in the late oh, yeah. 90s. That's, that's uh, the epitome of this show. I right. feel like that lasted longer because didn't Paul Blart ride around scooters or segways that was for the longest time two times yeah mall cops do still frequent and some police officers apparently Ooh, that's weird i don't know i don't think i would be threatened by a cop on a segway i mean i i mean personally i would be because i'm threatened by anything authority figure remotely for sure. close to authority figure yeah, yeah. 
but it's not very intimidating to have like a cop stroll up to you on a Segway. License and registration. So, do you think like? I don't know. That was going to be a bad joke. I'm not even going to say it. I don't know. I kind of want to hear it now. I mean, at the very least, you'll laugh, and then somewhere Ben will laugh. Probably. So you'll have at least two laughs. You have a problem with authority and saying no, so would you have been one of the Nazis that was just like, I was just doing my job. Jesus Christ. You asked for it. I did ask for it. (laughs) I tried to stop I don't know. If you want to get this into a deep, dark, philosophical place. You might have. I don't know. I know, right? It's a weird place to be. I don't know if you could have. I think... I don't know. It's a weird place. It's hard. It's one of those moral quandaries that you want to say like your brain keeps you up and like I would be strong enough to stand up and do the right thing, but I've not been faced with that. So I personally don't know. Who the fuck knows? That's a I question I hope know. to never have to answer for myself. Yeah. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. That's true. <laughs> Whoever keeps me safe at night. My teddy Santa bear. Santa Claus. It's Kurt Russell's Santa Claus. Deep cut for a future cut. <laughs> Deep, also future cut. I also saw the trailer for that, finally. Yeah. And I am not looking forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> ha. Let's talk about Pootie Tang, man. All right, let's talk about Pootie Tang. Talk to me about Pootie Tang. You know my thoughts and feelings on it, because you did listen to... I did. So it's it, it's a weird situation coming into this one, because I've now listened to the entire conversation you and Simon had, so I know exactly how you and, fe- you and he feel upon this movie. And I think I had a much lower opinion than both of you. Yeah. Uh, this is a well, running theme. No. Unexperienced crime. <laughs> also, staying out of the gate, the first thing I said about this movie, I will reiterate, is that I totally understand how this movie completely bombed. Yeah. And how yeah. nobody fucking saw it and people who did see it didn't like it. Yeah. It is a fucking weird movie. It is, which is ballsy and I think should be applauded. And yeah. I think that does definitely carry some of it a certain way. Like we've said about things like The Room and stuff. Sure, it sure. fucking bombed, man, but they tried. Yeah. And that's what I can yeah. say about Pootie Tang. It's fucking weird, but they tried and I respect the hell out of mm-hmm. that. And it's got some interesting things in it. Sure. I just... To be clear, yeah. you are not equating the room and Pootie Tang quality-wise, no. just on the level of effort, and that they tried something exactly. new or tried to do something. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah, I agree. I I, I agree with that. Um, the character Pootie Tang, just uh, he only speaks. I think you guys called it jive. Is that right? It's a certain. T- I mean, it's a Pootie Tang jive. It's gibberish. Yeah. It's just, it's like made up words, but it's like real sexy and smooth sounding when it comes out. And this is where it's kind of interesting because I was ready to come in hard and strong on this. Like, this is a bad thing. Uh, until I heard your discussion that apparently Pootie Tang is from a Chris Rock sketch. Yeah. From a Chris Rock show sketch. I've never seen the Chris Rock show, so I don't know. Most I think people was, haven't. Even less people HBO? have seen. Yeah. I, yeah. Less so people have seen time. the Chris Rock show than have seen Pootie Tang. And not a lot of people seen Pootie Tang. Damn. Well, that's immediately, I was like, um, maybe 10, 15 minutes into this movie. I'm like, this is like an SNL or like in living color sketch character, but given like a movie. And this isn't working for me. Mm-hmm. And I think a large part of that is the kind of made up talk. Yeah. Like, it's hard. It is, it's interesting, and I think it's brilliant that you do this, because the the typical hero journey is still here. Like, you know the beats that he's going to go through verbatim, like the, the belt being taken away, his power, but then realizing it's within him, and oh, it was yeah. just a 99 cent belt I got from Piggly Wiggly. Uh, that's all smart, because... It's a trope that's been played out so well that you don't need words. You don't essentially need a character. That said, I think maybe it's a smarter idea and concept than in execution because I don't give a fuck about Pootie Tang. I don't care about his character. I think I, that's the detriment to the Pootie Tang character and the guy that plays him. It's, yeah. He's just not... Lance Crowther, who I guess this is like one of the few things he's done. Yeah. But it's just not very... I, I don't even want to say very good, but it, you just don't care about Pootie Tang like you're supposed to, like this world yeah. builds him up to. Yeah. And yeah, he is. Yeah, exactly. Every 
I guess me is that the joke? I don't know. This is where this is where I think there are good ideas here. And then I learned this movie was edited to hell without um the director and Chris Rock's approval. Louis C.K. And the director is Louis C.K., which is uh interesting. Uh one, it's interesting because it's Louis C.K. in modern age and you have everything going on. But I also like even be even if you take away all of the modern context out of Louis C.K.'s name, I don't necessarily know how I feel about having like a movie that is essentially like very black culture written and directed by Louis C.K. Like this feels like it should have been Chris Rock doing this, you know? Yeah. Um, but but who knows what was lost in the editing bay. But I just feel like there are pieces that maybe could have been hinting at like a larger theme or structure like David Cross and blackface. Uh, you, you guys brought this up. And I thought this was an interesting thing to bring up. And you you already talked about how it comes across. And it's not as offensive as it usually is. And they, they do something here that's smart. And I think what they're doing is hinting at not necessarily um, kind of like a mean-spirited blackface, but more the get-out theme of, like, white people really being into black culture yeah. and trying to appropriate and market on that. And I think... That's why it's maybe not bad, but then they don't do anything with that theme. Yeah. But, like, that would all lead in very strongly to, like, Pootie Tang and, like, why is he, like, this big thing? Like, maybe it is because, like, it's a commentary on, like, white appropriation or, like, white people really being into black culture in, like, a way that's maybe fetishistic or unhealthy, you know? But it does nothing with that. Like, there are no real themes. It just feels kind of loose and disconnected throughout and there are some really strong, I think, visual gags and jokes, but overall, the movie just feels kind of messy. It feels like... It does feel very messy. It and feels I like wonder... a Comedy Central produced movie, you know? Like, it's just low budget, very cheap, and just not, and not enough connective tissue. You gotta feel like part of that disconnectedness... I mean, it's easy to blame that Louis C.K. wasn't there. And that's what you got to kind of have to imagine. Like, they kicked him out and had somebody else that hadn't done Mm -hmm. anything with this come in and stitch a movie together. Yeah. Again, you can very easily tell that. Especially with the Wanda Sykes, the big, the, what's her name? Biggie. Biggie Shorty. Biggie, Biggie Shorty. Is that it? I I think it is. something. It's like, it's a combination of big and small. I think it's Biggie Shorty. But um, you can tell in her her character and how she's interwoven into the plot through like her weird dance cuts and things and like I think it's like I think those were after shoots that were probably like done co- to, connect like corrective things to get it in a semi coherent state. Hey, we don't have this thing expressly stating why Pootie is in the country now, even Let's... though we have, as you said, it, we have a narrator in JB Smoove. Why introduce Wanda Sykes as a second narrator? Yeah, it's, it's again, it's very jarring, and it just it's a part of this movie. But uh-huh. again, I, like I said too, I really like Wanda Sykes in this movie. Yeah, I do too. Um, I, I don't know what it is, but she yeah. she's really doing it for me in this movie. And I'm generally not a Wanda Sykes fan. With you, one hundred percent. I don't think I've ever been a fan of Wanda Sykes, but in here, I think she I was liked, good. I liked one of her Comedy Central thirty minute stand up specials. I've never seen her stand up. I really like. I've only that. seen her in things, and I don't typically like how she's used in things. Yeah, sometimes I, again, she I, comes across well, but I don't. I'm, I'm with you there too. But I really like her in this man. Okay, she's a lot of fun. I'm with you there. Um, I also heard, who was it? It was either you or Simon said, um, when it comes to the characters and actors here, like, everybody here is the best they've been. And I don't remember who said that, but I, like, agree and disagree. Yeah. I think that's true for some people. Like, Wanda Sykes, I think this is probably the best she's been. Obviously, uh, Pootie Tang, Lance Crowthers, this is probably the best he's been. Way to uh, go, bro. You but made it. Chris Rock, I think he's been better. And in a lot of stuff. Much yeah. better in many other things. I, I think, think Chris Rock and kind of Louis C.K. just kind of wanted to hang out and smoke weed and make a movie. I think that comes across in, like, when the um, Pootie Tang's record's playing and, like, Chris Rock is, like, the DJ runner and he's just, like, screaming and shouting and, like, rubbing records on his butt and stuff. I'm just like, well, this was clearly just improv and not written down and just, you know... He was fucking around on set and Louis C.K. was like, this is funny. Let's yeah. include this. And Let's it's keep like, going, Chris. I feel like there's a lot of that here. I feel like it's a lot of things that just kind of improv on the set, like not necessarily written jokes. Like 
there are some good written jokes, and I think that's what I respond to in Pootie Tang. But I think a lot of it is kind of just improv and not as maybe smart. Like, I I think the dynamic between Chris Rock as not the record DJ, but one of Pootie Tang's friends, and then the guy who repeats everything, oh. I think that's a good dynamic. I did like that I don't bit, think... Yeah. I, I think at a certain point, they run out of things to do with it. Yeah. Like, after he goes like, I hate you! And just, like, immediately shuts him down. Then after that, it just feels kind of, like I said, up in the air or improv Like, they just did this many, many different times and just had different ways to do it. I don't know. And it just didn't necessarily work for me. But there are moments that... Did. Well, let's like, talk about some of those. Yeah, I, I like, I do love the visual gags of, um, the, the silent record. I think is the best set piece or best gag they have in this movie. I think it's real smart and real funny. Um, and to have a character that is essentially nothing that says nothing to then make a record that is nothing but silence is brilliant. And then, like, the reactions everybody's having. Like, I've already talked about Chris's, Chris Rocks. I don't think that's very funny. But the Asian kid listening, and then his dad comes in and yells, turn that shit off. Yeah. And is so fucking smart and good. And it's, like, those little touches. Like, there will be a good joke. And then, like, something happens. Like, Chris Rocks rubbing the records on his butt. I'm like, ugh. But then the Asian kid comes. And then, like, that happens. I'm like, oh, okay, you redeemed it. Like, this is good. So there were some of those... uh I'm pretty sure I have a few more written down, but I'd have to search for them. Um, I think uh, any time, it's weird. Dirty D? Yeah. I think is funny. Maybe cartoony and doesn't work, but like he cracked me up like when he gets out of jail and like he immediately gets out of the car and just like eats fucking dirt. dirt. Yeah. He picks up like a handful of dirt and eats it and it's just it's this fantastical Captain Planet villain. Like, it's so It reminds me a lot stupid. more of, like, a Dick Tracy villain. Like Oh, sure. Like that because 19- he's got the suit, too. Yeah. The suit, and he's got this one gimmick that he just cranks up to 11. Yeah. And so does the other guy, but he doesn't really get to shine Froggies, as much. Yeah, he doesn't yeah. have much, much to do. He's but he, he the wears lackey. the green, and he's a, he's a little froggy. Yeah. Uh, it was nice, man. Dirty D just, he cracked me up. And it's, again, it's a visual thing. I think the, the hair whipping the bullets is funny uh the first time yeah but then they do it a few times and even like during the credits they put in like the unfinished effects of him doing it again and i was just like why yeah we've we've landed on this three times now we we, yeah we've seen it before and there's not inherently a joke or like an like a mistake or kind of a what a blooper yeah as you will like you usually see it's just it's just weird yeah and so, like, most of the movie, I think, hinges on, like, I think it's really, really poorly edited. I think that Again, is yeah. clearly the biggest issue of it. But I also, I wonder how well Pootie Tang works as an 80-minute movie versus a five-minute skit. I, I just, I personally think a lot of it gets stretched out. I don't care uh, it's real hard about Pootie Tang or really anybody around him. I think Biggie Shorty is probably the one I care about the most. And it's weird, like even on a surface level, comparing it to another like five minute sketch stretched mm. out to a ninety minute movie that I personally feel does it better is uh, Night at the Roxbury. Oh sure, and even that's not a great or Ladies Man. Yeah, even like I don't like Ladies Man. I I don't know, man. There's something weird about it. Interesting. Yeah. I I have seen that recently. Yeah. And I I don't know. I think it's still fun. Yeah. It definitely has like that 90s kind of lightness to it. Like it feels like Tommy Boy or any of those movies where it's just it's so fucking light. Like the characters are just tropes to be funny. But it's okay because it's funny. There are there are stretches of Pootie Tang where it's not funny. And it is very exposition filled yeah um well it, again it has two narrators that have to come in and clarify right. things and, and... yeah uh, let's talk about one of the narrators uh we've already talked about biggie shorty jb smooth uh where do you stand on him as a whole as a whole i'm generally casually indifferent to jb smooth okay he kind of he kind of annoys me yeah i kind of get that a lot of people really yeah. like jb smooth i like him in smaller doses yeah um his 
affect or delivery is very off-putting to me. And I don't know what it is, but I just, it's kind of like a slick salesman. Yeah, sure. And it just gets tiring. Like, I, I'm with you. Uh, short doses, right? Um, I can do JB Smooth when he pops up for like a few minutes on Curb Your Enthusiasm to bring that show up again. But to have him be the narrator in like a large, like he, I would arguably say he's probably given most screen time next to Pootie Tang. It's, it's up in the air between him and Biggie Shorty for most screen time. Yeah. And I just don't think he, he has up. a lot to do. Yeah. And like his big, actually, that's not fair. He does have one great joke. I, I do love the scene where him and Pootie Tang ride off into the country to find themselves. And within like a two minute montage, he realizes he hates it's the a, country yeah. and gets in the car. He's like, I can't fucking do this. I'm out of here. Pootie. I'm going back. You got all got this dirt out here. And he's just like rambling as the car drives off. And, and it like, keeps going. That's a great yeah. way to use JB Smooth. I don't think the rest of the film really does anything to lift him up. I don't necessarily like where his he... character ends with like that country girl. Yeah, the one with the pie uh, fetish or whatever. Uh, yeah, I guess so. Uh. They weren't her and Pootie Tang rubbing the pie all over themselves? Well, he was rubbing the pie on himself. Oh, okay, yeah. Which okay. is maybe a metaphor because it was a cherry pie and he like sticks his fingers in it a little bit and then rubs it over as if like... Hey, look, I've got your sex on me. And then she rushes him through the window because it's an absurdist comedy. Yeah, I did like that <laughs> part. I thought that part was funny and caught me off guard. I wanted more of that, I do remember, for this movie. Because it, it hints at being that and then doesn't want to be that at the same time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Agreed. I. Yeah, and it's... And you, again, I think I've stated it many times. You just have it's to wonder flux, how much yeah. was lost in the edit. Which could be quite a bit. Uh, who knows? But I I don't know. I have a feeling that when a studio takes away an edit, um, usually it's not necessarily the worst thing. Like, there are, like, the rare instances where you, you'll you'll get, like, oh, the director's cut made a difference. Like, why... Uh, was Blade it the Alexander Blade Runner? Alexander uh, Kingdom of Heaven. I Kingdom think of Heaven. That's the about. one. Yeah. That's what I was going for. Where, where like they took forty five mm -hmm. minutes out that were huge parts of that movie. Yeah, or even uh, the the Ben Affleck Daredevil. Oh, like yeah. they removed forty five minutes of that movie, and what was there before with Coolio and everything? Coolio was a big part of Daredevil originally, and they just removed all of his stuff. But it's the stuff that grounds the character. It makes you care about, like, everything that's not Daredevil. So, yeah. like, sometimes the studios do it wrongheadedly. But then there are times where it's like, maybe the studio had it right. Because, especially in comedy, it's subjective. And I know there are a ton of things I've seen since this, this studio era where you would cut a movie down to, like, 80, 90 minutes that are now, like, we have two hour and 20 minute comedies. And it's just like... I wish the studios were still here to edit some of this shit out. To a degree, but I would have, at least with the, concerning Pootie Tang, I know I would have much rather seen what Louis C.K. had in store than oh, some Oh, sure. Some I'm always more because, for the artist's intent, but I don't think it necessarily means the artist's intent was better. Yeah. Like, it's just not a given, necessarily. Like, the edit, the edited cut now doesn't work, but we don't know if that cut before worked either. Who knows? Um... Oh man, what else? Do you have anything else in your notes? Um, yeah, I think the cinematography is also real amateur. Yeah, it's very. Yeah, I'm, again, you I'm can totally tell. It's so hard. I know, but and like, I, I totally agree with that. But it's also it's shot like it's an HBO sketch bumped yeah. up by like ninety minutes, and it's you can tell. Yeah, it's, it's even, that indie amateur bent to it. It's not. Yeah, concerned about cinematography. It's no, no, it's not. But it does things too. Well, I don't know. It's it's. Uh, I've got personal, not necessarily hangups, but like when I see certain techniques used in film, like it's immediately grating to me. Like anytime I see a Dutch angle overused where the camera is turned askew, fucking pisses me off. Like that's my biggest issue with the Thor movie, that first Thor movie. I enjoy quite a bit of it fucking cannot watch it again because 80% of that movie is a fucking tilted camera because hey get it Thor's weird He's that's not from this planet cinema guys. 101 and so like there are some weird speed up slow down digital shots here and I fucking hate oh like Pootie Tank putting his belt back in yes where and it's very obviously fast I, reversed that but they also yeah. do things where like 
I think in order to save time, it's weird. Like they'll play a scene out, but like to wrap it up real quick, like they'll speed everything up in like two times speed in order to like uh, an example. I can't remember specifically in the movie where they did it, but an example of this would be like, let's say like in the chase with Dirty D, like uh, he washes him, but it's it's everything sped up and then like it slows as he's coming out of the car wash and he's pristine and clean and then pretty tank gets out of the car, but the car getting out of the car is sped up twofold and it's real quick and jerky. And and it's, to, yeah, I get what you, I And there's that. just like, there's things like this, which is just, you're hitting like random filters and techniques for no reason. You're not even using this. Like as much as Thor irritates me because it's like cinema 101, like everybody knows what you're doing. You're doing it too much. Like at least you're doing it for a reason. It feels like there are artistic things in here that are just being done for the sake of it looks cool or it or i wonder if it's that different. or if they just wanted to speed this up and get things moving and that's i don't know because yeah. we go back to like that that big editing problem and i know that's what... gonna sim a lot of the issues with this yeah so i i don't know i don't know i think they it's it's nice to see a bunch of the old comedy central standbys like when david tell pops up it's nice but then and he's in it for that... like all of them like a minute <laughs> i mean yeah you wonder if he had a bigger part and all that got fucking yeah. thrown away because yeah. You gotta imagine David Tell and Louis C.K. are good buddies. Mm-hmm. They've been in the fucking comedy scene forever. Oh, sure. Together. Yeah. So, I don't know, man. Don't Overall, know. Ryan, I'm, what, <laughs> I'm all over the place. What would you? What would you come back? What would you rate Pootie Tang yourself? Uh. Also, this is not even an 80, 90 minute movie. I wrote it down. It is seventy one minutes. It didn't even make the feature length eighty minute recommendation. Huh. Well, is how. Cut the shit. it was yeah. cut. Yeah. yeah, it's just it. Yeah, it's a hack job. It so, w- definitely is. I don't know. Um, I don't know. What would I give it? I just I compare this. Um, and this is I I don't know helpful to do for anybody is when you do movies. I think you can get lost in the weeds if you're trying to compare it to like other things that are maybe not equitable. But like comparing this to let's say Wayne's World or Austin Powers or Little Ladies Man or Night at the Roxbury. Or even major pain. Like, I think this is one of the weakest of all of these from a sketch movies. Like, it's up, or it's down there, sorry. With, like, it's Pat. It's down there with, like, what was the, uh... I would rather watch Pootie Tang before I'd watch It's Pat again, but... Who's, uh... Martin Short is the tiny dude who's always with Steve Martin. Yeah. In Three Amigos. Yeah. The one where he's the child, but like he's a grown man with Charles Grodin as the father. Oh, I think it might be Martin or something. It's the Stewart? name. It, it's something like that. Something. Yeah. This movie's down there with that in that it is a funny idea that I think is stretched on for way too long. And I think there are moments there that can make like a good movie. There's just like 60 percent of it around these good bits that is so mind-numbingly average or dull and it's stretched very thin yeah for a 71 minute movie you don't want it to feel like you're wasting time yeah that's true you know so i i don't know i i've I've got issues with it i think this is maybe like a four out of ten movie for me yeah four out of ten magic belts you know (laughs) is what i would give it that seems about where i had envisioned you coming down around yeah so I, i don't hate it but it's disappointing. Yeah. You know, it's I, just slightly below average. That and I think a, that's uh, a large part of the cut. That's a pretty fair description of Pootie Tang. I don't yeah. hate it, but it's disappointing. Yeah. I mean, are there parts that I laugh my ass off? Sure. I love when Chris Rock showed up as like the corn in the field. I'm yeah, just like, it's well, so weird. Is that? It's so weird. <laughs> and then <laughs> Simon quoted it, but like I lost my shit when like the mom shows up as the cow and she tells Chris Rock to shut his corn, his full corn ass up. <laughs> <laughs> And it's just like, there are little moments that It's work. when it gets really weird and surreal that I think this movie works the best. Yeah, I do too. I do too. Like, I love, like, that whole weird country subplot. I it's don't know. It's fucking out of nowhere. It's, there's some weird shit here, and I think some of it works, but it just, I don't know. I think Louis C.K. has gone on to direct and write better things that you can see in his show. Um, some of his stuff's been, like, so moving and just yeah. incredibly shot. And this is not. This is... But everybody learns, man. It feels like a start. Yeah. Eh, I don't know. But, uh, I would imagine making <laughs> movies is hard. Say this, but I feel like I could step in and do a good one. Yeah. I feel like it wouldn't be too, too hard. We need to make a movie sometime. Yeah, the thing is, I just don't have anything to say. Yeah. If I had a script, I think I could direct the hell of it, but okay. I don't personally have anything to say. 
because I'm in the I'm always in the mindset of the South Park uh, Simpsons did it like everything I want to say has probably already been said better by other people. So I don't know. But this is you saying it. I, does the world need that? Does Not the exactly. world care? This is why I don't make art because like I am such I'm a defeatist <laughs> before it even starts. Like nobody cares. <laughs> well, you may defeat yourself, but buddy, I want to tell you, I love you. Oh, thank you. I love I doing love this show with you. Um, just want to give a couple shout outs. I think by the time this episode comes out, there is plans. Uh, next week, I will be on the Tadpog podcast. Oh, yeah. Looking forward to that. I'm going to be talking about Castlevania Symphony of the Night. As people that listen to this know, it's one of my favorite games of all time. So, Like number two. I think so. I think it was three. Oh, maybe Metal Gear was two because FF7 was one. Yep. Mm-hmm. So looking very forward to that. And I love those dudes anyways. So yeah, it'll be a fun talk. That'll be a good time. And it's something, you know, intrinsically to your being. Yeah. That is like your game. Yeah. I, I attribute Symphony of the Night to Kyle. Well, and only Kyle. Nobody else gets it. It's Kyle's. <laughs> Thanks, buddy. I fuck appreciate off, that. Iggy. 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 Yeah. There you go. You got it. <laughs> I like I knew his name, I didn't know the nickname. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, guys. Uh that'll be it. One again, thank you, Simon, for coming on. Uh have enjoyed it both times. I would anticipate we'll have you back again sometime. Oh, I'm sure. Maybe pick something in the middle. I promise I'm not gonna be an asshole for yeah. every movie. <laughs> you've got you've shown us both extremes. Let's go let's go a middle ground Simon movie. Tell us one of those and we'll we'll talk about that. That would be interesting. Yeah. Just what's one that you feel completely nothing about? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Nothing. Guys, we'll catch you next time. Thank you as always for listening. Uh, check us out everywhere you can get a fucking podcast. It's not that hard. Absolutely. I'm Kyle. I'm Ryan. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye.